Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. There's a lot of things, you guys, that people get wrapped up in when it comes to investing. And most, virtually most of them are, they're just not that important. Um, when you look at investing, no matter what kind of asset class it is, everything should be centered around one thing and one thing only. And that is where are the returns or the projections, where are they derived from? And this seems basic, this seems simple, but uh, this is actually rare to see people that um, will ask this question. Uh, they want to know, is the value rising? Is the stock going up and down? They wanna know, well, what's the terms? What are the projections? What are expected returns, right, on it? And they ask those things as if the person dealing it out um, has a crystal ball or that if what they say is just going to happen. Now, it's not that I have a problem with somebody saying what expected returns or anything like that's going to be. Of course, we do that with our investments. Uh, but the question should be, how? Because not all returns um, are the same. Now, what does that mean? First of all, not all returns are the same because of two factors. First, risk, uh, risk associated with the assets. So we look at risk adjusted rates of return. Um, also, the second would be um, execution or ability to achieve those returns. Um, those two things are really important. Uh, but you can't really understand that until you drive where those returns come from. The easiest way that you could look at this and a very simple one that I was always shocked that the people didn't look at in real estate, particularly when dealing with syndications. Uh, when they ask, you may have two syndications where the framework is the same thing, but when you ask where those returns derive from, one is on cash flow and the other is on the sell of an asset. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters first and foremost, because when the returns are derived from the sale of an asset, you are betting on an unknown event occurring in the future. Now, people can put in things that they assume or think will happen, and that can spit out numbers into the Excel sheet that can make it look good or bad. Uh, at the end of the day, though, they don't know. You don't know if you're going to sell it at that. And I've seen a lot of people get in trouble with this, especially in storage. Uh, they underwrite for a sell at a super low cap rate at a really high, high price per square foot, and they need to exit it within a certain amount of time. Then when the market doesn't work out the way they thought it should be, there's no returns there. This also creates the justification. And I hate event-based investing because the end justifies the mean but the end is not guaranteed. And uh, that is scary. Um, so when you look at it, we will see options like we have seen over the last two years that are gonna get a lot of people in trouble. 
they couldn't justify the price because the price they couldn't get cash flow from, but they knew that as long as they sold it in three years, that the sell price at a higher price as even a little revenue goes up, it's exaggerated, right? So the sell of an asset is exaggerated on the cash flow and the returns because a small amount of increase in cash flow can create larger returns if the market is hot, if all things are equal, right? Now, what happens then is they need to make sure that they can pay the bills, they need to make sure they can do things. So they adjust how they run the asset. They do interest only loan for the period of time because they say, well, if I don't have to pay the principal, I can sell it before I have to pay it. And then we can reap these huge returns. Now, all of a sudden interest rates change. You can't sell it at your really probably what seems to be at the time an unrealistic, but at the time you were doing it, it seemed like it was really realistic. But a price that doesn't ever materialize, the, the buyers won't pay you for that at that level. They're not going to be buying this at a four cap anymore, right? Um, and so then you have to refinance. Now you have to start paying principal. Uh, and now you may be in trouble because normally when that happens, you have to start paying principal, but you have lower vacancy the market's not as good. You may be giving discounts, so your revenue's lower. Now your expense ratio has changed. The expense ratio though, was never built to be covered in that model. And as that expense ratio changed at this event that was going to happen, you either had to sell it or this was gonna happen, you've inflated expenses. All meanwhile, because it didn't play out the way you thought it would, the market changed, you actually may be getting less or the same amount of revenue that you were three years pre previously. And this creates a trap. Now, the reason why this is so dangerous is this, you, you can, people do, I see this happen, this happens a lot. Um, they lose the property, even though the property was perfectly fine. So the investment did not go under, but because of the way they bought it and the way they structured it, the investment failed. Now, that is very different than if you are buying an asset on cash flow and you say, here are the cash flow returns, here's how we're building it out. Um, it's not the returns that are given are not predicated on a sell. Um, that's very, very different. You have a much wider um, array of options because of the structure on the asset that you're putting on it uh, and the expectations of performance, how you look at the asset. It obviously needs to be able to cover full load of expenses. We need to be doing certain things in the marketplace. We have to run it certain ways because it's all on revenue. Now, that is my preferred means of investing, uh, largely due to the fact that uh, I don't like the event-based investing. Now, it was unknown to me that that's how everyone does it. Uh, it we didn't ever do that. I've never done that, even when we started our, the private equity side in syndications and funds. Um, I did not realize that we were the only ones that I had seen in the space and still have seen in the space that do not predicate returns um, outside the sell of an asset. Well, I started to look at why. First of all, when you do that, that allows you to justify not only the means, you can buy more, 
um, you care a lot less on the price that you're acquiring it at. Um, and also, it tends to be way better for the operators or the people putting uh, out deals. Because when you sell it, the returns are, once again, exaggerated. So when it works really good, the people that are putting that investment deal together, they make a lot of money. Um, because they sell it off, they have an equity conversion event, they pay investors, but then this huge uptick in the asset, they also um, are partake, uh, partaking of. Now, it may have cash flowed very little, but it had a large equity increase. I'm not saying it's bad to sell assets. Not at all. That's not, we sell assets. The problem becomes when your investing philosophy is predicated on a future event that you have no idea if it will play out like that. That's gambling. Um, we do not event back underwriting, but we underwrite from the start ongoing. And what that means is our returns are year one moving forward and there's the spread between there on improving it. At the end of the day, we're buying a business. We're not buying a stock. We're not buying a piece of real estate and trying to flip it and uh, waiting for the next guy that'll pay more to come for it. We get to pay down debt. So then I also get the spread on that, right? That's all great. That's why we're in real estate. And it's awesome when it happens, but you don't go into it like that. When you go into it like that, you set yourself up for trouble. So when I say the one thing that investors need to look at in any investment, it's where are the returns coming from? Now, a lot of people say, well, that's easy. They're coming from the asset. Well, in most cases, meaning 99% of funds and syndications that I've seen, that's not true. It's not coming from the asset, as in it's not coming from the revenues like the investors think that it is, and it's cash flow. It is coming from someone else that is acquiring that asset and paying you. It's coming from a trade, right? Um, and that's probably the biggest misconception that I see with people when they are investing in funds, syndications, etc. They don't understand where the revenues, where the returns, excuse me, come from. I had somebody that was talking to me and they and they were looking at one of our investments and they called up and they're like, yeah, your numbers are wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, every other deal, when you look at it side by side, you're on par with it. The problem is though, you have an equity multiple, the same as them, yet we still own the equity, but they dispose of the equity. And that was a really interesting thing for me to look at. And our equity multiple was an equity multiple return on capital, but it was also then assuming that the equity that was owned by the investors was gone. But that's not how we operate or how we run things. So there's a lot of different ways that companies can derive returns. Think about um, like when I'm looking at, a, at the stock market and a company to invest in, is the stock the asset or is the business the asset? Lots of times the stocks are manipulated by things that have nothing to do with the asset. Buyback programs, right? Speculation. At that point, the stock is the asset. It is the investment, meaning you are looking at the market 
to deliver returns. Now, that's the opposite of what you want to do. You want to look at the business and its cash flows and revenues to deliver the returns, not the marketplace. The marketplace is gambling. The business is investing. So when you look at the marketplace, that is the buying and trading and selling of assets, right? So when people say the housing market is going to crash, most of the time that is very confused. It, just because the price of houses on the market go down, that is an adjustment in the price of houses being sold, but that doesn't mean that the homeowners are anything's going to change with them. If you're not planning on selling, that doesn't affect you. So then why are you worried about if new homes that hit the market are selling less than they were six months ago? That's irrational. And why would you base your financial life on outside forces that you can't control, meaning the market? That is a horrible investing and business strategy. Your strategy should be dependent on the business or the asset, its intrinsic value and its intrinsic ability to produce cash flow and returns. Then I look at it and say, what can we do to this asset or this business to manage the expenses, to run a really good business and microeconomics, right? How do we increase the revenue? What are those drivers behind the revenue that is going to produce a very valuable, long lasting investment? And when you do this, then you get to play the market. Because then as the market goes up, well, maybe it gets unreasonable. Well, okay, now I'm going to sell that asset because everything's gone crazy and people are willing to pay what this for this asset, a price that isn't reality, right? It shouldn't be trading for that. We sold assets that we just look around and say, I can't believe someone's buying this. I own it and it's not worth that. But if you want to pay for it, go for it, right? And then when the market goes down, everybody thinks the asset class is horrible, but that's only because cap rates went up because of the cost of money, but supply and demand hasn't changed. The revenues haven't changed. Just the market's willing to pay a certain price has changed. Well, then I can take advantage of that, buy that, focus solely on the asset. And then if prices get crazy again, I guess I can sell, but I don't have a plan on that. I don't plan on the market making me, right? And that's really the bottom line. We don't let the market make us, we make ourselves. If the market wants to deliver the goods, we'll take them. But that's not a strategy, that's gambling. So look at your overall investing philosophy, strategy, the asset classes you're looking at and say, is it the business or the actual asset that is deriving the value of these returns or is it the marketplace? Is it the trading, the buying and selling of assets that will pay, place value on assets on a whole host of things that have nothing to do with the fundamentals of the actual asset they're looking at? Is that what is supposed to deliver the returns? Either way is fine. I have no problem with people that are flippers or anything else like that. I have no problem with the market making you. But you shouldn't be surprised when the market breaks you. Also, it's an excellent strategy to utilize the market to dispose of poor assets and retrade into good ones. The idea, though, is that you're in control, not the market. Now, that is rare. 
exceedingly rare. Virtually every single fund and investment that I see, the market will really dictate whether that asset will work out or not. Meaning they need people to want to buy it. They need the buying and selling of assets, the actual marketplace of the asset, not the fundamentals to make it work out. Avoid that at all cost. Not that you can't do it, not that it can't happen, right? But make sure that fundamentally that asset is okay if it doesn't, if it doesn't play out and that you understand that and your strategy is not predicated on essentially a bailout. Now, a lot of times I, I, I get and I see this because first of all, the buying and the selling of assets, right? The financialization of everything in America, um, this trading, it's quick, it's fast, and man, is it lucrative. Do you know, I, I can't even imagine what somebody would pay us for all our assets. I probably shouldn't imagine it because it might tempt me to sell everything. Uh, then the problem with that is where do I go? What do I do, right? Am I, am I in it for a quick buck? Am I building a business, right? And that is a personal decision. Now, I know a lot of people that they'll exit out and then they'll use those funds to reinvest and buy better and more core assets. I've done that. We sold all the small ones off and we rolled all the, our money into big ones. The purpose was to utilize that money to level up, to get better quality assets that would generate higher returns and move that money from one asset that somebody was willing to pay us a price, which probably didn't think was good, and then move it into another asset, which we were getting value and had tremendous upside in the revenue of the business. So that is very profitable because that compounds so quickly. In fact, that blows up your compounding cycle. It really shortens the time frame in which you can compound your returns and the velocity at which you get those returns. Um, now, one that's really, really hard to do at scale. But when you're first starting out, you need velocity of money. You need capital. You need to do those things. That's fine, 100%. I just want to make sure people don't get caught that the investing strategy becomes the investing trap. And I look very hard at our deals. And when we're looking at it, I want to make sure that there isn't an event that's going to make or break me that I have a long time to make sure that that strategy works out. Because in the long run, most investments in real estate work out, right? In the long run, if you're buying cash flowing assets, almost always, you're going to be okay. But in the short run, that is not true at all. Uh, in the short run, we are subject to market cycles. We are subject to different activities within the marketplace that may not have anything to do with the asset, but will affect valuations, affect cost of money, um, all that kind of stuff. Well, I need to make sure that we can survive the ebbs and the flow of the business cycles. We need to be able to perform through them and take advantage when we can, but that should be a choice that's on me. I shouldn't be forced into a decision that the market isn't ready for that decision to be made and I end up getting penalized for it, or even worse, I end up getting in a lot of trouble. This is not a perfect science, everyone, obviously. 
I try to dumb it down as simple as possible so I can. I try to look at our structures and I try to say, is this is this market, meaning the market of the asset, are their customers, right? What they pay, how they use the asset, is those fundamentals improving? Will they continue improving over the long run, even if we have short-term uh, turmoil? Then, is my strategy conducive in that marketplace to optimize this business? And do I put the ability of the structure on the asset meaning refinancing, contracts with investors, returns expected, et cetera, to do that over the long run, right? Do I, do I have the ability to work within different market conditions and be okay? Um, prices just don't go up. Occupancy just doesn't go up. A lot of people don't understand that because the previous way that we're talking about letting the market make you is so powerful. For the last 10 years, all you had to do was buy, wait a couple of years and sell, and you made a killing. You didn't have to do anything, right? That is due to cap rate compression, where cap rates just get lower and lower and lower. That means you could have bought something at an eight cap for whatever, it doesn't even matter, five million, sold it at a four cap with the exact same revenue for 10 million. Think about that. If you put 2 million bucks into it, right? You're pulling out seven. Um, that's incredible in just a few years. And this happens. It happens a lot. And as people are going through it, they, they get stuck in this process and they start to believe that that's how investing works. The market just keeps making you more money. And it's because demand for the assets are increasing. And we see this. We've seen this in storage. Demand for the asset outpaces the demand for use of the asset. That is the scariest position to be when you own a stock, when you own a piece of real estate, or when you own a business. That the demand for the asset from investors is severely outpacing the demand for the asset from users. Where do the returns come from? Do they come from the first camp, the demand from investors to just buy at any price? Or does it come from the demand of the users that have to pay to generate cash flow and that pay off the debt, the mortgage, generate margin and returns? Most people don't separate that and they don't understand it. We see that with our investors. I try to educate and I try to talk them through this. Lots of times we can show examples. Look what would happen and you should too. You should say, look what would happen if we exercised equity, if we kept it where we're going. The idea is that we have options, but we don't plan on the exercising of equity for a sell. If it happens, it only happens for two reasons. It happens, first of all, the fundamentals that drive the actual revenue of the asset are deteriorating. So we do not believe that that business will be able to perform in the future because the drivers are actually eroding away. Now, unless you look at your returns in that manner, all of a sudden you don't understand or you can't see if they are deteriorating. You're still waiting for the market to give you sellers that want to pay more than you did. Um, and that can trap you in itself. 
So when we look at those drivers and say they're eroding away, the future value, not meaning the market, but the future value as in, in the revenue will not be as strong. I need to get rid of it because that's where the value comes from to me is solely on that revenue base. The other end is we have an asset and it is valued at a certain level. Let's say we're doing a refinance and we're pulling our money back out. We're using an equity conversion event like that. And all of a sudden we have it for 10 million on a refinance basis, but then somebody in the marketplace is willing to pay us 20 million, right? Well, we've, we've got to take that. I got to take that money because it's so disproportionate with the returns that we could achieve through the actual business. It makes no sense at all. We need to take it and we need to take those and put them into assets in which the return on the revenue will outpace the other one that we've got that will actually keep up with the valuations that we're buying it at. So I'm looking at a separation from fundamentals, from the, the market of the asset to the market of the buying and the selling of the asset. Once those get too big, once that spread gets too big, right? Um, that's when you want to sell. Now, uh, you don't want to buy at that, obviously. Um, and a lot of people are shocked at the end of the day when they buy it and do it. Now, a lot of this is coming from novice investors. They've only been in it a short period of time. They only see it happening a certain way. And they end up getting in trouble because they look around and they see markets go up. You look at a history of assets and you say, wow, it always goes up. It always gets better. Um, it always does till it doesn't. And at some point, it always ends. And it's not that the asset ends, but the market of the buying and selling of the asset, that the music stops on that. Well, if your investing strategy is not predicated on it, just wait till the music starts going again. Wait till it starts playing. Anyways, that is like, I really want to dive into this and I really kind of want to talk about it because it's so, so important. It seems, I think a lot of people may be going, oh, well, that's really easy. That's really fundamental. But then when they're looking at their investing options, not only do they not think through that way, they don't buy that way. In fact, very, very, very few people do. So, Next time that you're looking at an investment, focus on that and see how it changes your decision. See how it changes the way you look at those returns that are promised or not promised because nobody should promise returns. Uh, that would be ridiculous. But how those returns are being demonstrated or shown to you that looks like they may or may not occur, but that's what's being presented. Really understand through that when you look and you see the stock market and projections and all that kind of stuff, really dive down deep into the fundamentals because you don't lose if the market stays hot. That's the biggest thing with this. That doesn't mean you lose out. You still get to take advantage of that if that happens. It just means you're protecting your downside. So if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're still getting a return. Hope that helps guys. Focus on it. Look at it. It changes the way you see a lot of investments out there in the world, and it changes a lot about your investing strategy when you do. Thanks, everybody.